Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and I'm here today with Daniel M. Hello, hello. And we are doing another book breakdown. Joined by Michael Watkins in paper form. (laughs) I would love to have Michael Watkins on. Yes, we should. He is diesel. He is diesel. It's interesting. So today we're talking about the book, The First 90 Days. We have referenced this book repeatedly, well, since we started the podcast. It's been in the show notes uh, as much as any other, most likely. And so we wanted to break it down for you. The interesting thing about this book is, I mean, you know, we're going to talk about what it's about here in a few moments. But The First 90 Days, I think, is brilliant because... Thinking of your work in 90-day increments is important. One of the things that um, I know I've said before on the podcast, but I'm going to say it again, whatever results that you're getting today, like the the what you're living in, is a direct result of whatever you were working on 90 days ago. So think about that cycle. You know, whatever your emphasis was, whatever you're pouring energy into, announcements into, planning into you're reaping what you sowed 90 days ago. So thinking about 90-day increments is important. And, Daniel, one of the things that we have offering up to people is walking them through a 90-day plan of implementation and change in their churches, and we're calling it Blueprint Coaching. Yeah, so if you've come to any of our pipeline coaching events in the past, uh, and how many people have we now brought through it's 3,300 and some. Oh, it's crazy. Last. And it's not that Todd and I have done all 3,300 coaching because that would be crazy. No, we have but we've done coaches all and- but, <laughs> I mean, we've probably done 2,300 of those. Yeah. So what's, what's been amazing about that is we've learned a ton helping churches develop a plan for change and implement it. And the biggest thing that we do is really help churches implement it. So this next year, instead of our pipeline conference, we're going to be taking this blueprint coaching event across the country, really focusing on leading change in your church. And the first stop is Orange County, California. Yeah. With one of our previous OG mm, yeah. co-hosts, Eric Geiger. He's going to be keynoting it for us. But this will be March 14 and 15. And here's the thing. We're only capping it at the first 300 people. We're not like opening up the doors afterwards or doing any of that kind of, literally. Because this really isn't a conference. This is really coaching. And so it is in smaller settings. You're not going to be in a room with 300 people. You're going to be in a room with probably 30 or 40 people. Yeah, back and forth. So So we'll have some keynotes and then we'll go into smaller rooms. But the biggest thing is you're going to leave with a plan for change. A blueprint for change, in fact. With yeah, that's a 90 day timeline. Right? <laughs> yeah, so leadership.lifeway.com slash events, or the faster way to get more information is by texting the word blueprint to 88811. All right, so what is this book that we are going to be talking about, Todd, and why does it matter? That's the first question for today's book breakdown. So, this book is about your first 90 days in a new role. So, it's helping you assess what the situation is, and apply the right strategy to that situation. Is this a a turnaround situation? Is this a a situation where I need to stabilize things? Like, it gives you a framework to walk through that. But in addition to that, it gives you a framework of implementation and what to focus on when. So it's to help you know, hey, 
you know, we say uh, sometimes you got to figure out how this place works before you work on this place. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's establishing what to do when. So it does say, hey, you want to come in and kind of figure things out before you start blowing everything up. Um, but it gives you a timeline on how are you going to blow things up when you do and make those changes. Yeah. And obviously, if you're in a new role, whether in the same organization or in a new one, then a book like this might come top of mind. And you've probably had other people recommend it as well, the idea of the first 90 days. But what if you approach your existing role through a new lens? Since this is now the new year, I mean, just imagine after listening to this episode, if the next 90 days were your first 90 days, what do you think would change if you approached it this way? And and that's what we're hoping this episode will give you, uh, that it'll give you a fresh outlook on your role. Uh, when um, I, I remember reading in the introduction here of the book, he, the author, he basically surveyed 1,300 senior human resources leaders. And this is what fascinated me about what he discovered here, that almost 90% agreed that transitions into new roles are the most challenging times in the professional lives of leaders. Right. And given also the fact that uh, the, uh, the whole long career at one company Right. That's his words or or a long pastorate at one church is increasingly becoming a thing of the past. Transitions matter a lot. So hopefully this book will give you perspective on the role that you have right now. Maybe a new role that you're going to be that you are walking into or you're walking you're going to be walking to in the next couple months. All right. So we're also here's the other thing. Last thing. And we're going to elaborate this more later on in the episode. But the first 90 days matter because it'll help you get to the break even point, the break even point. So it's a really critical concept that we'll be teasing out after we hit the book quick hitter. So number one, who is the author? We already established that is Michael D. Watkins. Okay, but seriously, if you look at his bio, Right there's he's the co-founder of Genesis yeah. Advisors and he has a PhD. This is this is what was cool. He has a PhD on decision sciences. I didn't even know that was a thing. Decision okay. sciences from Harvard. He was a former professor at Harvard Business School, and yeah, he is altogether awesome. All right, so who is <laughs> who is the book written for? Everybody. Yeah, but really, people going into a new role, especially executives or leaders going into a new role. Um, so it talks about. Um, establishing yourself, making sure that you're promotable. Uh, And it is a secular book. So it's thinking about, hey, how do you prove that you're an asset upon entering a new job so that you can get promoted to a higher position in the same organization in short order? Because everybody's going to make up their mind on you and your um, how promotable you are and what your potential is based on your first 90 days. Yeah. So as we look into the favorite quotes of the book, this is uh, typically where we get and dig deep down into the book. And then we're going to be talking about if this is in a, and you know, we'll, we'll give you a little bit of background here, but especially if this is your first book breakdown after the quotes, we'll get to how this is all applicable, how the secular book is applicable to leadership in the church. But let's start with our favorite quotes. Todd, why don't you kick us off? So I'm a leadership guy. The first one, of course, I'm going to pick out is one on leadership. And here's the quote. Leadership ultimately is about the influence you leverage. No, 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 no. You can't say that one. Why? Because I have that. Too late. Yeah, let me go first. <laughs> I'm going to go first. Next you time. <laughs> are 
After all, only one person. To be successful, you need to mobilize the energy of many others in your organization. So it is to say why that's important. Mm -hmm. It's to realize that it's a myth that you have to come in and be this rock star dude and do everything yourself. People are going to see that. They're going to see that you're all about yourself and you're all about being, you know, getting all the the glory. Um, so you want to be sure that you don't do that and you recognize that, you know, as we say, your fruit grows on other people's trees and you need to <laughs> lead, lead through uh, and with other people. Yeah. So with, with that quote, at least I'll get the second half of the quote because you didn't keep on going. Uh, so the neat thing is if you do lead that way, Right. And if you don't think you're it's all about yourself and you you do mobilize the energy of others in your organization and, and really equip that team, then your vision, your expertise and your drive can propel you forward and serve as seed crystals in his words. I guess he likes talking about energy and seed crystals. Yeah, <laughs> I never really picked that I, up. <laughs> um, I have one that ended at the seed crystals and I stopped short because yeah. I was like, I'm not going to talk about seed crystals. Okay, well, we can, we can skip that part. And here's the thing. If you don't do that. I didn't that, know what seed crystals meant. <laughs> I, I was know. like, what is that? I don't know. If you don't, you can end up caught in negative feedback loops from which it may be difficult or impossible to escape. Now I know what those are. <laughs> and so do our listeners. All right. Okay. So here's uh, one of my favorite quotes. You talk when, too much. I get to do another one. <laughs> no. When more than 200 company CEOs and presidents were asked for their best estimates of the time it takes a typical mid-level leader who has been, pro who has been promoted or hired from out the outside to reach the break-even point, it's a long sentence, the average of the response was 6.2 months. Hmm. 6.2 months for a leader to get to a place, and we'll be talking about break-even points a little bit later, but to get to a place where they can begin contributing and adding value to the organization rather than just consuming it. That sounds like a really long time. Uh, that sounds like a long time to me. I don't think I would wait that long. <laughs> no, I mean, that's why the book is important. And that's why we're talking about it. Right. Because the whole idea is what if it took you 90 days to get to that break even point rather than six months? Which sounds like you're going to go in fast and furious and six guns blazing, but it's not what, that's not what he says. Mm -hmm. There's a time for that, but the timeline, um, ramps up. Yeah. Um, okay, I got another one. Mission is about what will be achieved. Vision is about why people should feel motivated to perform at a high level. And strategy is about how resources should be allocated and decisions should be made to accomplish the mission. That is a long sentence, but it encapsulates so much. Your job is to find clarity and understanding and then bring that to the surface in those things. So you're like, Todd, man, how am I supposed to do that? I'm just coming in fresh off the boat. You know, how I, I'm supposed to lead these things? Yes. And you're supposed to lead these things in a way that is reflective of the true values of the organization. So a big part of what you're doing is you're coming in and you're learning that organization, organizational culture as quickly as possible mm. so that you can then uh, bring these things to the surface and, you know, put a spotlight on them. And, and so everybody knows, wow, this guy really gets it. Um, not just what we, what we say is important, but what's really important. 
Yeah, that's good. The next one is going into the whole transition time. And here's the quote, leaders in transition understandably are eager to get things moving. Thus, they naturally tend to focus on the problems that are easiest to fix quickly. This this tactic is fine up to a point, but be careful not to fall into the low-hanging fruit trap. This trap catches leaders when they expend most of their energy seeking early wins that don't contribute to achieving their longer-term business objectives. So, yeah, that's a really good nuance because one of the keys in the first 90 days is to get early wins. Totally. I mean, even in leading change by Cotter, it's all about getting early wins and celebrating them. But Watkins makes a really good, good distinction that, hey, while that is good, if you spend too much time chasing that, then you might actually get three months, six months down the road and realize that you haven't really done anything lasting. Which I love that you said that after the one I just said, because if you don't understand the mission, vision, values, yeah, oh, for sure. Then, then yeah, how do you then, know? Then you're going to have those kind of flash in the pan and everybody's going to look at that. You can have one or two and, you know, everybody will smile and uh, maybe even clap a little bit for the new guy. But you continue to do those and people, I mean, yeah. you're just, you're, when you have something that is visible, um, it's great. It's it's great that that's a visible win. But the problem is when you have too many of those and they're not in alignment with your purpose, you just highlighted for everyone that you <laughs> actually don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Or, or it's the whole squeaky wheel thing, right? It's like how many people in your church or in your organization, they're just waiting for the new guy to come. And now the new guys come and you start building a relationship with them. And you had this thing that you wanted to get done, but the previous person didn't do it. So then you come to the new person and you start, you're the squeaky wheel. And eventually you're like, Hey, maybe I can convince them to do it or for us to make this change. And (laughs) there you go. The new leader's like, yeah, I got an early win. And then everyone else in the organization is like, yeah, but that doesn't help anyone. Right. (laughs) Yeah. All right. All right, I got um, I got another. You got one. another. One? I got another one too. Well, <clears throat> I'm gonna say one and then go. I'm just gonna avoid any commentary on it because <laughs> okay. I feel it's not healthy. You just drop the mic after. Uh, it's recruiting is like romance and employment is like marriage. <laughs> That's just a word of warning to people. <gasps> okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is why I'm not, I'm not. Yeah. Okay. No, that's, that's good. That's no, good. it is because, you know. You're giving commentary to uh, Okay. <laughs> All right. Here's the last one. Get wins that matter to your boss. It's essential to get early wins that energize your direct reports and other employees. But your boss's opinion about your accomplishments is crucial too. Even if you do not fully endorse her priorities, you must make them central in thinking through which early wins you'll aim for. Addressing problems that your boss cares about will go a long way toward building credibility and cementing your access to resources. This reminds me of of the advice my father-in-law gave me. He basically said, hey, if your boss wins, you win. So help your boss win is pretty much what he said. (laughs) That's true. I mean, that matters. It does. A lot. Yeah, rather than trying to compete with or, or whatnot. Okay, so let's get into what similar books there are, and and then we'll get into the meat of the episode. All right, go for it. All right, well, I mean, I mentioned it earlier, Leading Change by Cotter is the first one that came up to my mind. 
And in fact, that book, as well as the first 90 days and, and several others are, are just a few of those books that you just constantly have to refer to when it comes to leading change. Right. Um, then uh, there's actually there's a follow up to Cotter's leading change, and that's the heart of change. Because the interesting thing, and you'll you see this a little bit in first ninety days, it's not just um, it's not just pre- okay. So I was talking to you about this I think last week, um, trying to sum up what it was about, and it's that people get it wrong. They work on the change. And they prepare the change for the people, but they don't pre- prepare the people for the change. Mm. Meaning that um, they work so hard on the plan, but they don't really prep the people that are going to be implementing the plan, or it's that it's going to affect the most. So um, it, it's super important because there's the facts of the situation, but there's also the emotional side, and there's the people side. And so when you're looking at coming into a new organization, you have to recognize the facts, but you also have to recognize the people part of the equation, that there's formal and informal lines of authority, that there's formal and informal values. There's ones that are are articulated but not actual and vice versa. There's ones that are actual that nobody's talking about, but you can you you kind of have to exegete from the culture. And so I think it's really important to – think about the people element of that as well. That's good. That's good. All right. So John Cotter, <laughs> uh, well, is this Cohen. a summary? Pardon me? Cohen. Yeah. And Cohen. All right. Next and last quick answer or book quick hitters. And then we'll get into how this is applicable to leadership in the church. So Todd, what do you think? Is it a summary, skim, sit down or listen? I'm going to go sit down on this one. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Uh, it's just, you can't get around it. Yeah. It's really good. It's rich. There are multiple um, exercises that are connected with the book that are important. There's nuances that I've read and I've never heard before, like transitional coaching versus development coaching and what those look like. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's one thing to think about a coach or having a coach, but you you might consider having a different type of coach, sorry, um, in one situation or the other. Situational coaching, I never really, I mean, you think that a coach can handle any situation, but specifically thinking about those in in different ways um, is just an example of something that may be a more nuance, but you're not going to get that in a summary and you're not going to get that in um, just skimming it. Yeah. And it it really is one of those sit downs that you need to sit down and read over and over again every time you have a transition. For sure. Because you're going to get things that you've missed last time. And it's it's a really comprehensive and, and great book. I love what it says on the back of the book. It's called the onboarding Bible, <laughs> according to The Economist. Okay. So how is this applicable to leadership in the church? This is what I wanted to get to, the okay. whole idea of the break-even point. So when it comes to transition, whether it be your transition or let's say you're onboarding someone new onto your team, we all know how long it takes just to get people up and going. And in fact, Todd, I, I think for us, it really, it's really been cemented into our head, this idea of the break-even point as we were developing Ministry Grid as a team. Yep. Every time we would want to bring on a new developer, because I mean, Ministry Grid, if you haven't checked it out, it's it's a Do solid, it. solid platform to help you implement leadership in your church. There's nothing 
No. That comes close yeah. to it. Yeah. And, and I can say that unequivocally. Yeah. And it's not a Take WordPress the site. Challenge it with anybody. <laughs> yeah. It's not a WordPress site. I mean, we have full on, full on developers making this every two weeks, putting out new features. It's, it's, it's amazing the value that we are able to offer the church. Um, and I think really just because we're part of Lifeway, we're actually able to, to do this. But this is where it really hit home for me when it was like, oh, we need to get these features out faster let's just bring on a new developer and our developers would always be like, well, actually it doesn't, you know, it, it didn't, a baby still takes nine months to come out. <laughs> Even right. if you have multiple people. Yeah. You can have nine women. <laughs> you can't get a baby in a month. Exactly. So some, yeah. So you bring on a new member. So think about that. Bring on a new team member. It's going to, that person is going to take up everyone's time because they're helping them get adjusted to the role and to the relationships and, and what is the unique culture and the history and what decisions have been made in the past. And is this a new position that they're walking into? And if it is a new position, why is it created new? And if it's an existing position, what happened in the past, right? So there's all this context and culture that the individual needs to learn. And according to Watkins here, he, he talks about this idea of the break even point where it's like, Hey, when someone new comes into the organization or when you transition into a new role, you are consuming, you are not producing. You are consuming, you are not producing. What your goal needs to be is to, it's not about coming in to produce because we know people like that who don't consume and they just come in right away to produce and they're, it's, it doesn't work because you can't take what was successful in other places and just install it into your church or into your organization. So he says, how do you get from that consumption to that production as fast as you can? And when you do that, that's what he talks about when it, when it relates to that break even point. Okay. Um, I would say <clears throat> one of the things that's most applicable is he says there are four major situations for any organization. So he gives you a guide to say each one of these situations comes with its own problems, mm. risk, rewards, so on and so forth. So here's the four major situations. A startup. Well, that would be kind of a church plant or a church that um, is starting for the first time. Uh, that requires you to build and invert enforce systems from scratch. So it could be a new church. It could be a new ministry within a church or a, a new emphasis. Uh, then there's the turnaround. That's probably where a lot of churches are, yeah. where I'm taking over a church that's in a turnaround situation. That's going to require a quick mind and fast action. Then the third is the realignment. And this calls for critical thinking and convincing people that something will go wrong if we don't fix this because the keepers of the status quo don't think there needs to be any changes, but your job is to realign that. And honestly, that's where we find a lot of our churches are at when it comes to things like pipeline, because um, there, there are some people that are like, oh, this is working fine the way it is. And we say, no, you have drifted into this position. You need realignment with the purpose of the church, which is making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Mm -hmm. uh, finally, it's sustaining success. So this is, if you're coming into a, a, a place that's had a lot of success and it's already growing, um, then it calls for the ability to fix small problems before they, they become big. So it's to see in advance, you know, okay, we've experienced this growth or we've experienced this success, but here's some things that nobody sees as a problem yet. That, that could be. So in each one of these scenarios, 
the reason why I would love to have this as a new pastor or a church um, staff person going into a new role uh, or even, you know, just in ministry or in life, man, this is so applicable because it's going to fall into one of those four major situations, the startup, the turnaround, the realignment, or I'm trying to sustain success. That's good. That's good. The next question for our book breakdown is what things uh, churches should ignore from this book. And for me, I, I found that there, there are several places where Watkins was talking about politics and alliances. Right. Yeah. And he was saying, you need to play the politics game well. You need to create alliances. Right? I mean, this is what he says here. At a higher level of the organization, the other players are more capable and have stronger egos. Remember, you are promoted because you are able and driven. The same is true for everyone around you. So it shouldn't come as a surprise that the decision-making game becomes much more bruising and politically charged the higher you go up. It's critical then for you to become more effective at building and sustaining alliances. I get where he's coming from, but I would very much disagree that this is what you should be doing. Now, I get churches do this <laughs> to, to, to say churches don't have politics and alliances. Exist. Yeah, I'm just saying if you have the ability to change the culture and, and regardless of where you sit in the organization, I believe you do. You can influence up, you can lead down and across. What, uh, what we need to stop doing is, is stop approaching leadership from a scarcity mindset. Because the whole idea around politics and alliances, it's all about scarcity. It's all about getting people on my side, advancing my agenda, doing what I need to do. I scratch your back, you scratch my back. And yes, it does work, but I don't think that's where we need to be leading or how we need to be leading as a church. It's transactional versus transformational. Yeah, completely. I mean, it's totally transactional, and that's where we don't want to be at all. And honestly— Part of the reason why we are uh, where we are in America, at least with the church, is because we have made so th so many things that were meant to be transformational, we've made them transactional. Wow. Wow. So take the audits, the assessments, read the book, use the book, but just consider that lens. Right. I love that, Todd. You just don't be transactional in your relate in your Period. in the way that you interact with other people. Yeah. Give. Don't take. Give. Be generous. Serve. You know, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So uh, another another one that uh, there there's this whole section on how do you move from being a peer to a boss? which I found was really helpful because I've, I've done that a couple times. And, and as I, as I've read it, you know, I was like, Oh, this is really helpful. Right. Except the fact that relationships must change. Yeah. Cause they do change if you move from being a peer to a boss and, and, you know, he says other helpful things like focus early on rites of passage and, 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 you know, how can you establish your new role and introduce your team to this new uh, reality, reenlist your former peers. And so there's a lot of good things, helpful things that he says, but, but these are the two that really stood out to me. And I was like, oh, warning, warning, warning. Here's the first one. Establish your authority deftly. <laughs> you must walk the knife's edge between over and under asserting yourself. It can be effective to adopt a consult and decide approach when dealing with critical issues until former peers get used to making the calls, as long as you don't make uninformed decisions. Now, my perspective on that is if you were promoted from being a peer to a boss, if you, how did you lead your peers before? Probably laterally through influence, through right. serving them, through caring for them. What you didn't have was the final call. 
But when you become the boss, one of the worst things that you can do is stop the lateral leadership and now do top yeah. down authority. You got to do this because I said so. Oh, that's brutal. <laughs> yeah, they're all going to hate you for it. They will. And there will be people, there are schools of thought just like this that would say, oh, you need to show them who's the boss. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, didn't that happen in the Bible? Uh, yeah, it goes so well. Yeah, uh, called the kingdoms split. <laughs> yeah, not good. Not, no, not at all. <laughs> so, yeah, making sure that that is is done well, biblically. Again, all truth is God's truth, folks. And so, what we're saying is, read your Bible every day. And look at the books that you're currently reading through that lens. Mm. So, yes, there's plenty of wisdom that we can pull out of these books, but you're not going to be able to separate the wheat from the chaff unless you use that lens of Scripture. And you won't be able to use that unless you're in it on a daily basis. Yeah. So that's my answer. Yeah. So, Todd, this week, right, as we come to the end of our episode, this week, what can you do in light of this book? Man. Well, uh, you know, for me, I really do like thinking of things in the 90-day increments. There's um, there's stuff for me to apply personally from nearly every chapter, but I think I'm walking away going back to five dialogues. So there's five dialogues that he lists here, and, and it's really about communication, right? And we talk about how important communication is. And so he's he frames it up in five types of conversations. The situation conversation. So you're aiming to reach a unanimous agreement about the organization situation and where it should go. You know, we have to do that constantly. It's not, we can't just lead once or make one change or start something. It's constant adjustment and realignment. Uh, so, it, you know, we have to bring that together and lead people in that situ- in that situation. Um, next would be the expectations conversation. It includes sharing both uh, your expectations, your boss's expectations, and expectations with your peers. Uh, the style conversations is basically different people have ways of achieving success. So find out what your boss's style is and align yourself with that. Mm. And talking to your boss with his language. Yeah. So good. it's making sure I understand that, which is what you talked about earlier in leading up well. Mm-hmm. Uh, resources conversation is making sure that you have the right resources and you have to be in tune with where the organization is from a resources perspective so yeah. that you you don't deplete those. And finally, the personal development conversation is making sure that you're getting feedback on issues that you feel will affect your personal development. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's that dialogue that's important. That's, that's super helpful. For me, it would be avoiding the transition traps. And at the top of the episode, we had talked about, yeah, obviously, if you are going into a new role, you probably downloaded this episode and you're like, okay, this is great timing. It's the new year. What do I need to know? But my challenge at the top of the episode was, hey, maybe you are in the same role. What if you, in the next 90 days, approached it as if it were a new role? What would change and and how would you approach things differently? So in the book, Watkins talks about these transition traps when you do transition from one role to another or an organization to another one. The first one is this, sticking with what you know believing that you're going to be successful in this new role just by doing the same things you did in your previous role is not going to work. 
uh, failing or, or not failing, falling prey to the action imperative, right? This idea that all you got to do is uh, action, 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 action without learning, being too busy to learn. I mean, that's a huge trap. Uh, setting unrealistic expectations, trying to do too much. And and here's the whole coming in, you know, with the answer or coming riding on the on the white stallion saying, oh, I am the savior. And, and I think pastors love doing that, <laughs> right? I mean, we all, we all love helping and it, it feels good to be appreciated. And, and it's like, oh, finally, we've been waiting for you to come and, and fill this role. There's that temptation to come in with all the answers, but you need to come in to learn. And, and even if you think you know what the answer is, don't come with your mind made up and don't try to uh, re- and don't reach conclusions too quickly either because you need to fully grasp the culture and everything around that as well. So uh, those are just a few of those transition traps so that we don't get trapped in our first 90 days. All right. Well, uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode on the first 90 days. We'd love to hear your feedback on other books you'd like us to cover on our book breakdown episode. But before you go, we do want to encourage you to check out Group Answers by Chris Surratt and Brian Daniel. They are a part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. So if you oversee small groups in your church or are leading one yourself, this is going to help you in your discipleship and in your leadership. Just look up Group Answers on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today.